right? What a reminder it is to, to come to the Lord with praise and thanksgiving and prayer um, to fight the battles, not with worry, not with uh, anxiety, not with the things of this world, um, but the things that God has given us. And one of those things that he's given us is love. And that's what we've been talking about the last few, few weeks is, uh, is love, right? So a couple weeks back, we started this three-week series on, um, on love, of how to love Titan, Titan, Titan. All right. There we go. Oh, nothing's burning. You'll see. It's part of the plan. Love. Love brings heat. It's supposed to. At least that's what I was told. That's what I'm working on. So, right, so love. The love of the Lord our God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then as we heard from Barry and from um, Andy last week, to love our neighbors, we love ourselves. And so today we're going to look at what does it mean to love one another. And as I was thinking about that, the, the Bible in the New Testament is... It has about four or five different ideas of what it means to be the people of God. Uh, the New Testament talks about being a body with Christ as the head. Um, it talks about being a family and God as the father. It talks about being a flock and Jesus being the chief shepherd. It talks about being the bride with God waiting for his bride to come. And I thought about those four things, and it's important for those four things, at least in my estimation, for them to be united, to be in love, to be working together. I mean, so, right, bear with me here. I could just imagine, like, you know, if a groom's up here, God the Father, and his bride comes in the back door, and the shoes don't match, and there's pink lipstick on the top, and red on the bottom, and just the hair's all wild, you'd be like, wait, hold on, time out. Take some more time, go back out, get that fixed, and come back in, right? I mean, most gals that I've seen, right, and this is just, you're all, we're all good, right? On their wedding day, right, they try. The women try, the brides. We are the bride of Christ. We try our best to look the best we can, right? We, right? I, like, as a part of the bride, right, I join, join a gym before I'm about to see God. Like, I'm going to get fit, right? I'm going to get ripped. I'm going to be in the best shape I can together with all of you. As a family, right, you know, who wants to come home to, you know, that the mom and dad come home maybe before they're, you know, expected and the kids are fighting and like, uh, we're, we're going to go back out for one more errand. We come back, clean up this mess, <laughs> right? Get it together and we'll come home, right? But love, love united and, and family together. And so as I think about this, love one another, I was praying about that and that's, some of these things are just on my heart. And so as, as I was praying about that, I thought, well, let's start off in John 13. Around the night that Jesus was betrayed, he, he's in this upper room with his best friends, his 12. He says, a new commandment I give to you is to love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And it's slightly nuanced from the command to love the neighbor, because the neighbor could, could be anybody, anybody that's in need, like we saw last week. But to love one another in the context of the upper room is the body of Christ. And so this new command, maybe it's nuanced because there's this new body that's being born, or maybe it's nuanced because he says that you would love as I have loved you. And so we specific with the example of what it looks like to love. But as I have loved you, so you must love one another. 
And I thought about that for some illustrations, um, all but one out of the the Gospels. But Jesus' example of love, when he was with the 12, he spent three years modeling his love with them, day in and day out as they were together. And so his love is provisional. When he fed the 5,000 and the 4,000 plus the disciples, not only was he feeding them, but he was equipping his friends. He's affirming personal value in Matthew 9 when he calls um, Levi, Matthew, the tax collector, to be one of his 12. And and I always think about that for Matthew, like what what a value add, for lack of a better word, but affirmation. That here I am, a traitor to my people. And I don't know what he was wrestling with, but to hear him being chosen follow me and to leave everything and go with Jesus and be accepted from being a traitor is affirmation or personal value. Comforting. His love is comforting. In the upper room on the night that he was betrayed, he says, trust in God, trust also in me. I'm going to prepare a place for you. Right? And then later on, he says, in this world, you have, will have trouble, but take heart. Be comforted. I have overcome the world. An honest assessment. And that same night, he says, all of you will be scattered. And Peter just blazingly says, I'll never leave you. I won't deny you. And he's like, oh, you know what, my friend? You will. And by the time the crow crows three times, you, you will disown me. He spoke the truth in love. And that same night, he he modeled what it looks like to be a humble servant of washing their feet. His love is sacrificial. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 5, to be imitators of God and be imitators of the sacrificial love found in Jesus. And his love is reassuring. And he came into a room after his resurrection and he saw all but Thomas. And he came back when Thomas was there and he went straight to him. He said, even if you're doubting, here I am. And his love reassures in the midst of our questions. His love is restoring. He modeled, what does it mean to restore? So Peter, you denied me, but now that we're fishing together, feed my sheep. Take care of my flock. I still have a plan for you. You denied me, but I didn't deny you. All examples of his love, right? Just just a few of three years they spent living together. What does it look like? What does it sound like? What does it feel like to be loved as a family? And Jesus would go on and say, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That the love we have as the family or the body of Christ is supposed to be so enticing, so inviting, that the outside world as they watch will want to join in. That it has a missional component to the way we love each other. And because of the uniqueness of Jesus' disciples' love for each other, it should show the world the true way of love and bring glory to Jesus. See, love is one characteristic that Satan can't counterfeit. And believers are to be characterized by sacrificial love modeled by Jesus because the enemy doesn't want to promote true love. And so 
love one another. This third strand of the strings of love that we're looking at in this series. Theologian and writer Francis Schaeffer would say this. Our relationship with each other is the criterion that the world uses to judge whether our message is truthful. Christian community is the final apologetic. But as the world watches, we're a witness. But the question is, what kind of a witness are we? And as we love one another, that should bear witness to the love and the truth of Jesus. And the world is watching. But our relationship, our love for one another, according to this theologian and writer, seems to be what people will judge us by. And if we don't look too different than the world, they're not going to be too interested. But the call is to love one another. And so I was praying about that. I thought, what what are some things that we could look at to kind of unpack this? And, and I decided not to go into all the one another scriptures. They're there. We'll talk about that in a minute. But the first one I was reminded of actually comes from Hebrews chapter 10. And the context here is about perseverance in this chapter. He said, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for the one who promised is faithful Loving one another as the church and the body of God requires that we live in hope, in hope in God. And it's based on his faithful promises. And the writer goes on to say, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And see, the command here isn't to do the love and good deeds, though we're required to do that. The command is to spur one another on, to be each other's cheerleaders. To encourage one another. That's the command because why? Love and good deeds seem to easily fall off the table. But we need mutual encouragement to keep going. And you know that I run a lot of these crazy races out in the mountains in the middle of nowhere. I'm giving props to my wife. There's been several races where my wife will hike two or three miles up 2,000 feet to see me run by, right? We're not stopping for a picnic. We're not stopping for anything else we could do. We're nothing like, unless it's at a critical aid station, it's not for long. And there's plenty times where she's just driven out for a point, wave me on, go, go, go. Hop back in the car, drive again, four wheel out there, go, go, go. She's spurring me on. There's been times when she's intersected me at places where I was pretty low. Like I've, like, can you carry me, back, carry me back to the car? I think I'm done. She's like, no, you're not. <laughs> but we spur one another on in love. And to do that so we can continue in love and good deeds. Because the missional aspect of our lives is, seems to be the easiest and the first thing that we'll let go of. And so he says here, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. But we need each other. We need encouragement. We need equipping. We need challenge. Why? Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. 
right? So when we're all together, we're like these hot coals that are really hot. And as they're together, they fuel each other. They add to the fire. But when you decide to remove yourself and stop meeting, we'll see what happens. Yes, there's times to to go in solitude and silence as spiritual discipline, which is very different from choosing to not meet or to self-isolate or some of these things because of whatever's going on in life. Don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. The call is to live together in community, in love. And an example of that comes from the description of the first church in Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47. As we look at this, try, try and hear, try and see some of the, the heart behind the action that Luke records here. Since they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Right? Four key critical things that we do together in love that build each other up. And in the second one there, fellowship. Being in community. Intimacy. Communion. Sharing. Participation. Joint contribution. The collective. This word fellowship is so rich and so deep. But yet sometimes we take ourselves out of fellowship. We stop meeting together. Right? We're just saying this is how I fight my battles. It's much easier to do in the collective with each other, singing praise, encouraging one another, praying together, than on our own, separate from those spiritual disciplines that would fit that idea of being alone. But they devoted. They were committed. Their heart was all in to focus on these things. Truth. And community. And so they devoted themselves to these things. You know, it's impossible to be in fellowship with the body and to encourage one another when you stay all alone. I haven't figured out how to do that. There's been times in my life when I've isolated, when I've been all alone. And um, yeah, it's like if I decided to cut off my finger and just leave it there. It doesn't do the rest of the body any good. Actually, it hurts the body. And so they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Fellowship. Breaking of bread, communion, eating together, and prayer. And everyone, everyone was filled with awe, the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Right? God's presence and power caused a holy atmosphere that people took notice of. Not just the, the, the believers, but I believe the unbelievers as they're watching were awe-inspired by this community. Living a life of devotion and love so radically new and different. And all the believers were together and held everything in common. 
Or they were marked by unity and community and sharing. And, and, and I'm amazed by this when I think about that. They were even aware of the needs of the people in their community, which sometimes we lose sight of. Now, granted, this wasn't a perfect community. We know that shortly thereafter, there was this couple that decided to sell a house and say that they were all in, but kept some money aside. and They got in trouble, like big time in trouble. But the heart started there. This idea to, to be in unity and sharing and having eyes that can see the needs of those in our community. A community of believers. And they sold property and possessions to give to everyone who was in need. They were selfless. They were generous. They were blessing. And how easy is this, easy it is for us to not even notice. You know, we had somebody that needed help with some benevolence, and uh, he texted me on Friday, hey, you, you guys agreed to pay my phone bill. Can you, can you pay it by tomorrow, you know, tomorrow? So I tried online like five times. It didn't work. Um, yesterday I had a little bit of time. So I ran to the mall to the place because I had to go and do it in person. And the store was closed for an hour. Like, I know the hour just start. Is it really an hour? Is it the end of the hour? I'm like, I don't have like hours to wait. And I'm like, ah, you know, pay this, you know, so... I'm like, well, you'll have to be without phone service until Monday, I guess. And then later that night, last night, I I found a place that was open and went and did that. But we're aware of the needs. And I'll tell you, I was was kind of tempted just, hey, I tried. (laughs) One and done in the afternoon in the mall. Like, that's, (laughs) I tried, buddy. Um, But no, I'm like, you know what? I'll find another store. Like a real store, not this kiosk thing in the mall. But we're aware. We're aware of the needs of each other as we live in community. This is every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts and they broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They gathered together. They lived together. They met together. They were in community together. Taking time to eat. Taking time to celebrate. And not doing it begrudgingly, but I love that line, with glad and sincere hearts. Is that a, is that a hallmark of our heart? More often than not, sometimes 50-50, They practiced hospitality. They loved one another. They gave. And praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, the Lord added to the number daily those who were being saved. Isn't that what Jesus said in the upper room? He said, love one another, and by this love, they will know that you are my disciples. And here is this first chance for them to live it out in community. And lo and behold, Jesus was true. He was right with what he said in the upper room. That as you love one another, as you live sent, as you care for the neighbor, they'll notice. They'll see the quality of your witness and they'll want in. And the disciples were loving everyone. 
And those who are watching, those who are judging by their scorecard, say, hey, this is different. What gives? What are you all about? Then the opportunity to share. And the Lord added to the number daily. You know, I, I don't know that this Acts 2, 4 through, you know, 42 through 47 is supposed to be a model or supposed to give us ideas, you know, but we're, we're working on building leaders right now for these missional communities that do lend themselves to look a lot like this, but in our culture, in our context of how do we do this as Cedarites? And how do we practice hospitality and devote ourselves to the teaching of the word of God to bless other people, to live sent, to practice hospitality, to eat with them? You know, it's funny that not, not too long after this, when Paul came around, within a couple of decades, the church, and I'm, I'm sure Paul taught this, they didn't get this. Right? When you look in First and Second Corinthians, he had to write some correction on how to love each other. And specific to how they're celebrating the Lord's Supper and having meals together. Like, you didn't take notes? Let me remind you what I taught you. In Ephesus, to the church, the uh, Colossians. The commands for one another. I I have to believe that wasn't the first time they were hearing these things. But sometimes we need reminders. Sometimes we need vivid reminders. But as we live out a devoted love to God, to those who have not yet heard, and to those of us who believe it should look radically different because it is radically different. And then later that night, Jesus says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you and greater love has no one than this than to lay down their life for their friend. That the love we have is sacrificial and it's lived out in community. And not only were these just words Jesus was going to say, but recall, this is before he was arrested and went to the cross. He wasn't just talking some theory. He went and did what he said. And as I, as I think of this verse, when I think of the Philippians 2, 3 through 4, it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility, consider others or value others higher than yourself, right? Not looking to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Yes, we are wired that we're going to take care of ourselves. In a, in a healthy manner, it says that no one ever hated their body, but they fed it, right? In a, in a healthy manner, we take care of ourselves. And this one church seemed to be getting it more right than not, so he's encouraging them to continue on. Continue valuing other people. And then he reminds them with what's left in, in the rest of that section in Philippians chapter 2, this, this hymn that they might have known that consider Jesus, who considered equality with God not something to be grasped. And he walks through this just phenomenal example of what it looks like to love people greater than yourself. 
But he says, my command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. And I like that. There's a, there's a phrase when, a couple chapters back in the, the same night when he's washing their feet. And he says that, I have sh- he, that Jesus has shown them the extent of his love. Or he loved them to the full. He went the distance before he even humbled himself and went to the cross. He says, I have loved you. The same words that we looked at two weeks ago in Jeremiah, I've loved you with an everlasting love and I draw you with everlasting kindness and a kindness that brings eternal hope. I love you. I've shown you what it looks like, so go and do likewise. And this is my command, that you love each other. That you love each other. That we love each other in community. And I think sometimes it means going, and especially in the season of COVID, um, but going to those that we haven't seen in a while. Going to those who have been self-isolating. Those who have decided not to meet anymore. Those who might be cold and in need. Not just of physical things, but more importantly, spiritual matters. Go and reach them. I have a fire extinguisher up here. I was prepared, just in case, right? In my old church, we had a song we used to sing called, uh, This is a Church, This is a Church on Fire. And they didn't have that song in their repertoire this morning, so we'll save that for a few weeks. But uh, I got my fire extinguisher. I read the instructions 20 minutes ago. But you, right, what we love... We seek that which is lost, the, the one that strayed. He left the 99 for the one. The woman that left her 90% to find the 10%. And the father who lost 50% waited in love from the porch for the son to return. And when he did, he was fully welcomed back into the community. All rights, all value. The son who came back and they celebrated. But there's the ones. There's the ones that are in your sphere of influence who have not yet heard. There are the ones that are part of Cedars that have left for whatever reason that are alone, that need somebody to reach out to them. And there are those that we pass by every day that we don't know, but they're called our neighbor. And we're to go and to love them, to walk across the street and to introduce them to Jesus. And it is much easier to do in community I can think of the story that Barry was talking about in some of the places he goes and so I think of some places that I used to go and, and I would. I would bring other people with me. Not just because I, I needed a backup, but I did. But it, it's a teaching moment. It's an equipping moment. It's a team opportunity. And we go into these places. We cross the street when others won't because God sent us.
and especially as it comes to loving our own. That we could live with eyes and heart wide open for those, again, that are by themselves, that need to be brought in. And we would go and reach them with the very love of Jesus. You know, you're going to be hearing uh, over the next few weeks more and more about the missional communities that we're working on. We're, ra- we're equipping and raising up leaders to, to launch these life groups, for lack of better words, so you can understand. But, we, and, you know, there's a video on our website that gives some credence to that. We showed that a few weeks back. We're working diligently to set up environments where we can live together as disciples of Jesus, blessing one another and the place that God has called us to call his home. But it starts with Acts 2, 42, they devoted themselves. It starts with our love for God and awareness of the lost and a love for one another. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the gift of this day. Jesus, I thank you for the very um, real and radical, but um, so tangible experiences of your love in the New Testament. And God, if we ever should wonder, like, remind us, God, what does it look like to love, that we would just venture into the Gospels to see how Jesus did it. God, I thank you for your witness. I thank you for the example you set. And then you taught the 12. And you entrusted the teaching to those who can teach others, who can equip others, who can equip others to us. To the very message that is 2,000 years old, but yet ancient of days. The love of God. And Lord, I pray that you would spur, you would challenge cedars to to love one another, to cross the street to love our neighbor, and to fall on our knees to love you. God, thank you for the opportunities you are giving us this week and this very day that we would put into practice, that we would work out the salvation you've so richly given us and put on display your infinite love. Holy Spirit, equip us, give us eyes to see, give us a different spirit to walk across the street, to pick up the phone, to drive to someone's house, and to quiet ourselves before you. in a holy solitude so we can come back to serve and to give and to love and to bless the body of seers. And pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.